What is author marketing mastery through optimization, you ask? I'm gonna tell you, it's the best way for us authors to make a living selling our books. Are you tired of hearing gurus tell you your book is only good enough to be a lead magnet for services? Are you tired of feeling like you have to be a slave to social media and then frustrated when the time you spend doesn't actually help you sell books? I was too, until I found Ammo. Ammo is the only program that reliably produces results and it works for anyone. Is it hard work? You bet. Do you have to overcome some of your own prejudices to make Ammo work for you? Absolutely. But rather than being another program that rah-rah shish-goombahs tries to get you emotionally excited only to offer unclear methods, Ammo shows you how to design profitable ads step-by-step step through a unique, highly tested and targeted formula. The founder, Steve Piper, is a data-loving, formula-driven author who escaped the kingdom of Amazon to build a platform for himself, where he sold directly to his readers and built a loyal following and millions of copies sold. With Ammo, you know who's reading your books, how to contact them, and what they want to read next. If you've always been frustrated with Amazon's wall of mystery of not knowing who's reading your books and losing 50 to 70% of your hard-earned money, that you're making through sales. Ammo solves all of those problems by putting you in the driver's seat and showing you how to fulfill your books directly to your readership. Click the link in the show notes to learn more. Pardon the snowblower in the background. We uh, just had a good old fashioned winter storm earlier this week and I thought it was pretty novel and fun until the kids had Monday off school and then Tuesday off school, and now they're on a late start today. That's the excuse for why this episode's dropping a few hours later than normal. When I was a kid, I think I experienced five total snow days my entire schooling career. I don't believe that's hyperbole. I can remember them because they were so infrequent. They were exciting, but they were infrequent. We had 10 snow days last year. Now we've had two this year. It's not even February. Whew. Life has changed. Things are a lot less hard nowadays, so they say. Things are also crazy. Or is that just the old man coming out in me? I'm not sure. Anyway, my guests on today's episode are the Scuttlebutt crew. Way back two years ago when I started this podcast, the Scuttlebutt crew invited me to be a guest on their podcast to talk about my writing, among other things. And we had a fun time. It's not a very focused show in terms of topicality, just conversations, oftentimes with people from the military, but not always. And so when they came on this show and the conversation you're about to listen to, it's not quite as focused on marketing as a lot of my shows are. There's still some gems in here, so make sure to listen up closely. I think Hermes specifically goes on a couple of really, I think, worthwhile rants about society, <laughs> the things we're dealing with right now, and maybe how it affects the way that we get out there and market our books. But you are going to have to dig a little deeper in today's episode to find the marketing gems than you usually would. I'm going to be in Burlington, Iowa at QuadCon this Saturday, hawking my books live and in person. So one, if you're in the area, please think about stopping by, get some signed copies of the books. I will sign also, anything else that you want me to sign, pieces of toilet paper, as long as they're not used, uh, T-shirts, sunglasses, 
credit cards. You can actually give me a credit card if you want to with a limit on it. I'll spend it judiciously. Or just come and say hello. Take a selfie with me. Post it online. You know, that kind of thing. Looking forward to making the trip out, although I'm a little concerned the streets will still be a bit, you know, not great. So we'll see what happens there. But otherwise, you know, things are plugging along. Selling more books into bookstores. Got a few authors set up for month two of the SPAC. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to previous episodes uh, to kind of get yourself grounded. If you're an author who has a lot of reviews on Amazon, you want to be in bookstores and you're self-published, feel free to reach out to me. We'll see if we can get you in the lineup. All right. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with the Scuttlebutt Crew. This is TRBM Ammo Edition. If you're a published author and want to make a living writing books and selling them to avid readers, you've come to the right place. There's simply no program that's more successful at driving readers towards the books you've written. So the only thing you have to worry about is writing a great book. And the system with an ammo takes care of the rest. Thanks for listening to this conversation. Jody, what's the what's the hat you got there? What team is that? The Cubs. Okay. I okay. am a life lifelong diehard multi-generational Cubs fan. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, well, you know, 2016 redeemed a lot of the pain, but it's still like every every team got every team has this year, you know. Yes, exactly. they can't all be the Braves and just be good all the time. But it's pretty true. And I grew up from my perspective, uh, the the Braves were my nemesis because that's when they were good and they had stolen Greg Maddox from us. So it, it, they added like insult to injury. Well, I used to. So growing up on the West Coast, I'll, uh, like our my team rightly should be Mariners. Mariners. And yes. the Mariners just have always been. I mean, like since the 90s, they've been terrible. Like they had yeah. their time. Ken Griffey what? Jr. Like they had their star. And what year did they win then. 116, though? They they still have the record for the most wins in a single season, and it was 116, and then they got eliminated in the first the first see. round of the playoffs. What year was that? I mean, that's what happened. That's kind of what happened to the Braves this year. They, yeah. like, broke records all year, and then yep. they, like, yeah, the first round against the Phillies. Let me see. I'm doing it as well, Mariners. Mariners baseball. baseball record. I'm not doing it because I both already were. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Thanks for the update. <laughs> and then what we need to do too, uh, while you guys are looking it up, let's do a quick, uh, uh, we'll call it an interlude to introduce yourself to all of the listeners. Your voices are pretty distinct, but for people who don't know you, um, just tell us a little bit about who you are. Um, and also, I'd love for you to add in a bit about your anonymity. Uh, two of you stay anonymous, one of you doesn't, but um, why that is, because I really, I love what you do and I want you to be able to promote the Scuttlebutt podcast here as well. Ironically, the one that's not anonymous is the one of the two with his camera turned off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my Someone internet that. has been crying. Taryn, <laughs> uh, you want to take this one, man? Uh, yeah, I can start off. I am the one of the three of us who are not anonymous. So my name is Theron, and that is actually my name. And I'm one of the three hosts of the Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, we talk about all kinds of ridiculous stuff. It is kind of a military-based podcast, but that certainly doesn't hold us back from talking about anything and everything, uh, which is how we met Jody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, I always give it to Theron because, like I said, he's the one who's good with being the social butterfly. Like He's good at public speaking and, and uh, good with the uh, social media and the handles and remembering what you're supposed to say. And I think Morpheus and I are more on... 
you know, the side of, you know, I just, I'm just here for a good time kind of a thing, <laughs> but joking yeah. aside, we have to stay anonymous because of our, you know, uh, habit of having maybe too good of a good time sometimes. And, <laughs> you know, the loose lips, sink ships, all that bullshit. Um, we just like, like Theron said, like to talk about what's on our mind, you know, gossip a little bit. What is the scuttlebutt? You know, what is the tea to spill, so to speak today? And um, we don't want to piss anybody who writes our evals um off so we really don't even of... talk about a lot of spicy stuff honestly. we don't we don't but every now and then we'll get into like some controversial topics but it's always just kind of us like spitballing our opinions about it mm-hmm. we don't like oh bye bye like we really probably don't need to be anonymous it's just it's that safe blanket of, well it's there's just that nice aspect. to have that safety <laughs> there is that aspect and then it, it encourages course. if we have other people that are active duty that want to be on the show, they f- they can feel safe and yeah. feel like they can say whatever they want to say and not that have to buffer. worry about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we have that. We have that that buffer. Exactly. So, and uh, the the guy who's just talking was Hermes Oslander. I'm interested. I don't think I ever asked or have run across the answer to this right now. But talk about the origin of the name that you use for the Scuttlebutt podcast. Oh, uh, well, the Scuttlebutt is a liter- it's a, a tricky another. Gun. Yeah, it's another well, it's another way to say gossip and the it starts like the history of it is um is at the water hole, the, the watering fountain on like old ships. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where everybody would gather around similar to like that old uh, corporate um the water like cooler. Cu- yeah, water, water cooler. cooler yeah. The, yeah, yeah, the water cooler gossip. And so you'd gather around there, that was your drink or your rations for the day. And uh, you obviously what's going on below deck, what's going on above deck, what's going on on the flight deck, what's going on in the captain's quarters. And then the tea would sort of spread that way. And that's where the term scuttlebutt kind of got mixed in with both gossip and what it actually the function is of the waterhole. And so we thought us being, you know, let's just say alcohol enthusiasts <laughs> figured <laughs> yeah. we're all going to get around the whiskey hole I or the vodka hole <laughs> <laughs> exactly there yeah and and so if, if we're gonna if we're gonna wet our whistle a little bit might as well spill some tea about what's going on in each other's lives and have that excuse to stay connected with each other and hopefully connect with other people half yeah. of why we do this is just so we can hang out a couple times a week <laughs> yeah i told my wife that the other yeah. day too <laughs> i think it's a perfect excuse for for a podcast is to to be in contact with people so one, one of the things that i really love is that this gives me uh, an opportunity and an excuse to reach out to people that i really like and maybe have listened to for a long time or read and be like hey I have a podcast. I can help you get your name out there or whatever it might be, or you have a new book, et cetera, et cetera. And it's so cool to gain access to people that you otherwise really would have no reason to. So that's another reason I like it. But I've met, I've met people like you. Um, Chris Talon is a good friend of mine. He was one of the early podcasts that I guested on creative ops. Uh, he's been a roving co-host with me for a while now. And yeah, those opportunities to make friends, it's really shocking. I think if you're not in the world where you're actively podcasting, you don't realize it, uh, let, let me say this, and then at Morpheus, you have to introduce yourself as well. But to me, I think that it is the uh, like secular version of the church, uh, if if I'm being honest. Like, there are few excuses that are better to get together with people and have a fun time than to be like, I'm making a podcast, you know? It's, mm-hmm. it's work. Get off mm-hmm. my ass. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, I got to drink a 12-pack while I do it. That's part <laughs> of the show. Damn straight. <laughs> we all have yes. to have themes to set us apart. You know, the internet's big. We got <laughs> to Yeah, we're the alcohol group. That's what <laughs> we do. We drink a bo- half a bottle of whiskey by ourselves. <laughs> or each at noon. Our wives. Yeah. But we have to buy this bottle for work. It's work. I bought a bottle today. <laughs> I did too. I was like, I got myself a little work. work. <laughs> We could tax write that off, right? Can we? I don't know. 
I'm going to try. You may actually be able to write booze off uh, tax if you're if you're uh, consuming them during that podcasts. Is quite that would be quite especially the now that we're reviewing it too. Yeah, it's a consumable Ooh, yeah. product. It's a consumable supply, rather, right? It's like I'm part of let, overhead, you know? I'm going to let you try that first, <laughs> and then you can let me know how it goes. And if it works out and you don't get audited, then I'll... I mean, what, what are they going to audit us? We don't have enough money for that. They don't care enough. <laughs> yeah. Just They're saying, like, oh. you want to write off $100 in whiskey? Fine. We don't care. Poor people. Yeah, <laughs> right? the, yeah exactly. The first oh. step to tax write-offs is making enough to have to file taxes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's true. Until you're not doing a 1040 easy, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, first world problems, I guess, guys, or podcast problems, guys. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree with you, though, uh, Jody. We it is it has been one of the blessings that um, I don't know that I fully anticipated when we started up the show is just getting oh, yeah. to meet awesome people. Did. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Yeah, I mean, it's, the podcast it's, community is amazing. It's both really like cool. hosts and guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Morpheus, yep. you didn't inter- introduce your chaos yet. I mean, I you Morpheus. are you are doing the chaos, but you're not introducing it formally. I am Morpheus. <laughs> I am here to do the podcast. <laughs> I I have a podcast. That is it. That is me. This is I. <laughs> Typical in perfect Morpheus fashion. <laughs> if you want to know the meaning behind the name, there isn't one. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, so you're not you're not uh, you're not going uh, 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 like the the Matrix Morpheus necessarily. Okay, that, that sounds that that actually sounds cool. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go or with the that. dream right the after dream I decided from from Greek mythology. There's no? that too. Right after I decided on Morpheus and like we put it on the episode, Morbius came out, and I was like, oh, that'd have been so much cooler. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Damn it! No, it wouldn't. <laughs> your catchphrase could have been that it's Morbin time. It's Morbin time. <laughs> it's Morbin time. <laughs> I, I remember that distinctively because I went through like four, like three or four different names in the beginning, trying to like find one that like stuck. And yeah. uh, right after I, decided, I was like, okay, it's Morpheus. That's what we're doing now. It's Morpheus. And then uh, Morbius came out, and I was like, oh man, that'd have been <laughs> cool. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I think of Morbius like a vampire? Honestly, welcome to the club of creatives, dude, where every other day when you finally think you have an original idea, something mm. else comes out to remind you. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, <you don't>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so, been uh, thought of before. <laughs> yeah. But I do like uh, I, was I do just, like uh, the, the dream god. That's kind of neat. Yeah. I am kind of like a weird character you'd see in like a lucid dream. The Sandman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could I could do that. Could you see could you see that? Couldn't you see me like being in people's dreams like it would be w- quite the scary dream. Skedaddle, skadoodle, your dick is now a noodle. Go <laughs> <laughs> home, skahale, you're going to jail. Uh, well, we apologize. This is coming Jody. from somewhere. I was, I was about to say, is this like literally just pouring out of your head right now? Or, or do, yeah, you have, do you have a script that you, you keep separate sometimes for, for moments? No, like, like, no, 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 this is no, true. No script. No. I'm just staring at the wall right now. This is straight <laughs> shot from the hip. That is literally his catchphrase in our in our trailer intro. Is like he shoots from the hip, and he's got a lot of opinions. He's got a lot in life. You know, that's not just on the show. Like that's how I live my life. I shoot from the hip. I don't prepare very much for things. Wild and, you card. know, it's been working out for me so far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm relatively yeah. successful for a person my age. <laughs> I have I've been talking a lot lately about uh, like my personality is ready, fire, aim. So um, I, I just like dive into something when I think that it's a good idea. And a lot of times that creates a little bit of chaos with it. But when you when yeah, like you just said, Morpheus, there's this moment where you're like, hey, this is working. I guess I don't care if it if it looks stupid. It's it's 
effective. So I've kind of leaned into it a little bit more. And I'm like, I'm not yeah. going to plan. If I like the idea, I'm going to just try it immediately without even like, any more thinking. Even like my work, I'll be like asked to like do a presentation where there's got PowerPoint already read and they're or made. And they're like, do you want to review it? I'm like, nah, figure yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, I envy you guys for being able to be that flexible. I mean, I, I think in certain situations I can be, I can be flexible, but I would not say that's my baseline personality. I'm so neurotic yeah. when it comes to details. It's, un, you, it's unreal. Once you realize that none of this really matters. <laughs> I realized that a long time ago. I realized that a long time ago, guys. I think that's what <laughs> put me down this path of like, well, what detail can I focus on and like control? And what's the smallest portion that I have an impact on, you know, mm. or biggest one? I do I think know. that's like part of the stem of my chaotic personality as far as like not preparing and shooting from the hip, though, is like I did not have a realization when it comes to work specifically of like nothing I'm doing right now really has an impact on anything. Mm. <laughs> if I did this or didn't do this, it really doesn't matter. So I'm just going to. I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> you can look at that yeah. both sides, though. You can make something yeah, yeah. matter or you can make it not matter in your head, you know? Well, mm -hmm. I think uh, I think when you can do something well, while like it's something that doesn't matter, like it inspires people more. I don't know. Like I, I've been told that people like my style of like leadership and stuff a lot because of that. Like I just don't take anything like that seriously. Maybe they're put... willing to be more. Uh, they had the morale is there to be willing to follow you kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Like, yeah, like I don't take anything. I don't over like complicate things. I don't make things too serious. I don't put like dumb minute details over like people and their life, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which can, again, make a huge difference when we're talking about uh, morale uh, yeah. from my from uh, personal experience. Yeah, that can make a big difference. <laughs> my big thing Somebody is like the a big thing in my opinion of as far as like just like the leadership aspect goes about like commanding respect right i see a lot of people like at morning musters when they first get put into that lpo or alpo position and they go to morning muster and they're like hey everyone i'm in charge now quiet down anything, yeah if you need anything you talk to me this is how it's going to be for now on we're going to do things this way and part of that i think that like commanding respect thing like that a lot of the times comes from insecurity mm. feeling so, like yeah. you need to do that kind of thing Talk about that in terms of, because I think there's two different styles. There's Jocko Willink. I, I have to imagine you guys are familiar with Jocko because he's oh, absolutely. Yeah. so military. And I love Jocko, but he is somewhat that guy you're talking about where he like he gets loud, he gets in your face, and he's like, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning and I'm doing 943 push-ups consecutively before my ice bath. <laughs> and if you want to live a work, like life that's worthwhile, you're going to do it too. Yeah, fuck that. I mean, well, no, <laughs> uh, I don't know about fuck that because I do love Jocko and Me too. I, I and, love Jocko and Goggins yeah. and Haynes, you know, but yep. I, yep. I agree that there's there's different styles and Jocko, uh, the authenticity comes through. And I think what Morpheus is talking about yes. is the insecurity part Absolutely. is masked with inauthenticity that people you know, pick up on. And whereas Jocko, it's not because he's coming from a place of insecurity. He's leading by example. And he's like, this is why. I am here. This is what has worked for me. Come follow me. And that's like one of those leaders where you're like, fuck yeah, you're going up that mountain. There I are like chase you up that mountain. Whereas there's other, other leaders, like you're talking about Morpheus, where it's like, I've been, I'm in a leadership role. I want to be a good leader, but I'm not quite sure how to be a good leader. I am not, mm. I haven't been a leader before. Mm. What is the leader that I've seen it, as quote unquote, a good leader up to this point and therefore you're going to kind of like you know fake it till you make it or you're going to emulate mm. that kind of a leader yeah. and hopefully get to the leadership you know summit that you're looking to be at but um and it comes off sometimes on a unauthentic
Yeah, because yeah. I've had plenty of times where I've had to be stern with people, and I do. Like I am, like I don't like being stern with people, but like I've had to be stern with people plenty of times, and I can, yeah. and I do it, and it's done. And like I had one person specifically that was like, I really appreciated the way you did that. Like you came in, you oh, told nice. me I was fucked up, you told me why I was fucked up, and you were like, I right, don't do it again. Like, and then it was mm-hmm. over. Like that, that was it. Done. Like the done deal. You know. I think that's really powerful because it it does speak to your comfort in in the the role that you have uh, in in leadership because I, I think that like I, I'm considering myself and the way that even as a father probably the area I need to work on the most is when I can't figure out why my kid's being a jackass instead <laughs> of of like taking time to understand the situation I try to control it I try to mm. immediately shut down whatever disrespect or or defiance is going on. And every time I do it, it, I literally am in the middle of being a jackass right back to him to make sure that he listens and knows I'm the boss and I'm the dad. And, and, um, yeah, I think I do like, I do psychological damage to him when I behave that way. And I hate watching myself do it because I know that I, I can do better than this, but it's like, there really is a deep level of insecurity sometimes a that my son is really actually so much smarter and more capable than I am. And that he's just coming into his own, but B that like, if there's anybody in this world, who's just going to give me a free pass to be like, Hey, you're a dude and I love you. It should be my son, but that's mm-hmm. not actually how it works. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much involved there. That's not, it's like, it is blurring the lines of work or, or anything, but um, it's my, my struggles father all come from insecurity of believing that, uh, you know, I'm not actually capable of doing it well. You know, Jody, uh, I mean, that's the first a thing huge... That I, I, yeah, I think go... we're probably going to say the same thing, but that's just, that is a crazy amount of insight that you're yep. showing, first of all. And I, I just, I want to make sure that you know that most people don't think that far down the gonna, road. Yeah. So even, even yeah. the fact that you're taking it that far and considering those things puts you well ahead of the game as far as most dads that I've seen. Yeah, uh, I would absolutely. say myself included. <laughs> that's why I was going to bring it up too, Theron. Is like, you know, you guys being the dads, that's why I don't want to be and yeah. haven't decided to be, uh, you know, a parent is because it's like, my dogs and my kids. Sounds, yeah, that just sounds <laughs> fucking unreal level of commitment, responsibility, all of the above. And, and like you said, uh, Jody, insecurity. Like, do, yeah. uh, you know, I, to, to your point of self-awareness, like you're aware of your insecurities. I don't even know if I, outside of a DMT trip, want to examine my mm. inner psyche to such a level like that. Whereas you and Theron have taken the plunge and are doing God's work of, you know, carrying on the population. So at the end of the day, <laughs> that's what I was going to turn it over to Theron, like reverse the the question to Theron. It's like, are you as insightful or trying to be as insightful? I mean, to, uh, in terms of age difference, obviously, between your two uh, sons, probably there are different uh, issues or different problems coming up, but like, are you ready for all of that too, Theron? Are you, did you plan? And re- just no is the answer. <laughs> like, and that's, that's kind of what I was saying is that even from my own perspective, like I, I strive to want to show that much insight. Like it's definitely <laughs> something that I will continue thinking about more. Cause yeah, I'm not hitting a lot of those milestones yet. Um, mm. You know, my son's just turning nine months here uh, in a oh, couple days. Amazing. So, not I'm not dealing with any of like the back talker. I mean, he still kind of is a jackass sometimes, but oh yeah, yeah. he doesn't know it yet. So I can't <laughs> yeah. get that mad. Yeah. So Are you're, you... you're even ahead of me there though, because uh even at nine months, like I, I remember having kind of a uh a blow up, maybe not nine months, it's it's pretty darn close. Like he was able to sit in one of the bumbos. I don't for for yep. people who don't have kids yet, it's just like a little foam thing that you can just that you can force them to sit up in a bumbo. Um and so we're eating like 
Gerber uh, something and and he like starts spitting it out and instead of being like he's a baby he doesn't want to eat anymore I'm like it's food time right now and I'm trying to like get him to eat and I am just like enraged <laughs> that he won't do this this simple task that he needs to live everyone fucking eats dude <laughs> you have to eat yeah. <laughs> uh, and I again yeah that's one of those times where I just looked at myself and I was like god damn dude calm the fuck down just <laughs> calm down Oh, shit. Dude, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, my son, he's actually sick right now. This is the second time, uh, and so he's got uh, this ridiculous fever. Fever. He yeah. won't sleep at night. Like he's tired. It will put him oh. down, and he'll freak out. And I I literally was thinking the same. I was like, just 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 sleep. Like just why why won't you just lay down? How do you expect to get like, better why? if you can't sleep? <laughs> why yeah, exactly? Why are you arguing with me? I'm the dad. I know what you need. And then it's like, yeah. <laughs> oh wait, yeah. it's a baby. Uh, hold on. <laughs> How, how do you guys uh, and then he threw that? up everywhere this morning that was fun i didn't oh, deal God. with it well i'll tell you that well how do you tow the like you're saying jody how do you tow that like gray line between like work parent friend uh, father like how does that hold you do you base off do you base some of it off of your father your own father and like maybe draw from that as either what to do or not to do like how do you guys tow that line because again it's like unfathomable to me i can't even imagine how my parents did it let alone how i would ever even approach the question uh what what i can say is that i i really don't think that i did as well as as i wish i would have or am doing necessarily um i i unfortunately don't have a dad who is super involved i have some good memories and so like randomly a good memory with my dad will come up and i'll tell my wife when we're out doing errands or walking or something like that. But a lot of, a lot of the stuff with my dad was, was that like, he had uh, a lot of vitriol and and hate for my mom. And so uh, they got divorced real early in my life and used us kids sort of as pawns against each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have a good lesson, unfortunately, but uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad uh, was a great man in my life and, and very much of a father figure. And the one thing that I thought, well, okay, two things that that he did that I have tried to emulate with my kids whenever possible is one, he was open to curiosity. So I remember uh, I was living with him as a 20 year old. So I was too old to be living with parents, but I needed a place to crash. It kind of effed up my life. And and so um, I'm, I'm living there. And one night we were playing uh, a game called Perquacky. If you don't know it, don't worry about it. But uh, I, I asked in between rounds, like, do you believe in aliens? And he told me a whole story about how he thinks he maybe had an alien encounter. And, and this is a guy who, for all of his 65 years at that point, had been going to a Baptist church. Um, and was like very devout, read his Bible every morning, did devotions. And so the idea that he entertained and believed in aliens and had a conversation with me about it and didn't be like, well, God says there are no aliens, so shut up, was like <laughs> huge. And so I try to um, entertain my kids' curiosity because I think that something happens to soften the relationship and build bonds. Um, and then the other big thing is when I have those moments, like I was talking about with the Bumbo, where I'm yelling at a, a an infant um, or belittling my my 10-year-old because he's talking back to me and not like actually figuring out how to do this better, I apologize. Because that's mm -hmm. the one thing that, uh, you know, my grandfather did do is he would apologize when, when he did something that he felt was wrong um, and that I know for sure that my parents never did was apologize for anything. Like to this day, if I have to interact with my dad and something goes wrong, um, 
like he'll he'll the closest he'll get is i'm sorry you feel that way and it's like the most destructive phrase Mm -hmm. in in the english language in my opinion i'm sorry you feel that way tells you that you're defective for not feeling the correct way Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's like the opposite of an apology it's a it's a volley um so i'll 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 get off my soapbox but those are the two things from from parenting land that i stole uh either as a like i'm not going to do it that way or i want to do it that way I love when I bring up uh, weird, slightly traumatic things from my childhood with my parents, and they have the, their strategy is just deny that that ever happened. <laughs> that never happened. Deny <laughs> and gaslight that these pivotal moments in my memory just never happened, and I made it up. Yeah, there was I like made it up though, Morpheus. I uh, I had yeah, a, yeah. Like, I brought up one time. This wasn't even like a bad one, but this guy brought up one time that like, oh yeah, it was one of those days like when I was like 16, 17 that you like left me at home alone overnight. My mom was just like, I never did that. And I was like, yes, you did. She's like, I never left you home overnight. I was like, I didn't say this, but I'm like, I lost my virginity on one of those nights. I had parties yeah, here right? and yeah. you weren't here. Like, I know <laughs> I'm that that aware. <laughs> I don't I've know had, how I could have made this up or how quiet you were pre- hiding out. Right? Exactly. It's like either you weren't here or you were like not paying attention at all, which could be arguably worse. I have yeah. some pretty core memories of things happening in this house that you were not present for overnight. I love that. That's, that's, that's defining moments in my childhood. Yeah. That's a that's a big one with um like boom not boomer um what's 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 the cutoff between Gen X and Boomer? Is it like nineteen sixty? The, the silent generation. Because yeah, cause, uh, is it sixty? Because I I can't I always I always call my parents boomers just because everybody calls generation? me. No, I what think do you mean? Right after sixty, because I know my dad is a boomer, but my mom isn't. Okay, Let me see. I'm googling generations. That's oh, a good idea because I've always called my parents boomers uh, as well, but. Uh, so I think they're the ones who are who are born uh, after World War II ended, um, and then like, and then pre Vietnam. Boomers, of boomers yeah. are 1955 to 1964. Okay, okay. So then and they then are boomers. 65 boomers. to 80 is Gen X. Okay, so yeah. they are boomers. All 81 right, to been... 96 is millennials. 97 to 12 is Gen Z, and then 12 and up is something new that hasn't been defined yet. Isn't it alpha? Isn't it, Prop, doesn't it start like, over? It like yeah, over I think alpha that's because I looked it up for because I was like, what generation is my kid going to be? And yeah, I think it's alpha. I think we just yeah. go to the Greek alphabet now. Yeah, yeah, we just start over AB all the way to Z again. It's the next. Well, proud millennial the, right here. The whole, the whole reason I brought it up is because, yeah, I mean, everybody calls me a boomer, even though I'm not. And the sentiment of that generation is deny, deny, deny. It's like, nope, that's not at all how I remember it. We had a white picket fence. We lived in a white house. We had a perfect neighborhood. I was like, <laughs> We really? had a nice white neighborhood. Really? In a nice white state in a white country. Yeah, exactly. Before like, all these colored people showed up. Like, America was great. Yeah, milkshakes <laughs> and racism is exactly the boomer mentality that I've... The only both, time we I'm, saw colored people was when they were doing service jobs. Well, but God, Jesus, Morpheus. <laughs> On both sides of the house, though, it's because like my mom is more of... Uh, has a minority background. She's Hispanic. And then my father is more of the, uh, you know, Anglo-European as white as you know paste comes and then they both say european <laughs> they both say the same thing though at the My end of the day anglo-saxon i don't know well <laughs> what, what's what's scottish and what's scottish and english and irish like what is what is a mixed it's bag of you certainly not gallic no <laughs> gallic would be french I don't know then. I don't know. Anyways, the <laughs> it's just it's just funny to see like the trends of parenting and 
and seeing how some of those are getting changed and broken and maybe not mm. even for the better. Cause like one thing that I noticed as well, and I'm curious, like Theron, I don't think you'll have this problem. Cause like, I I've known you my whole life. I, you know, I know what your, um, like, um, personality type is are when it comes to a certain like situation. No, it's just like, uh, you see a lot of those like helicopter moms, you know, and I don't mm. know if like, um, if Aurora has to like mitigate that or if she's on that train or not, or if any other moms listening out there end up coming back the other way. But like, you see a lot of those, like my sister, especially had that with her first kid. Right. And then she sort of tapered off and now she has twins as her, uh, her third and fourth kid. And the difference in parenting style, just with her, let alone against her versus her mom versus our mom kind of a thing. It's just like, it's so stark. It's so apparent. And then the, outcome of those kids is so apparent and so stark it's just it's fascinating again from like, a uh, third party after the first one you you learn that they bounce pretty good <laughs> yeah. they're pretty so resilient you're, you're not as worried about it you notice people uh, don't hit their, you notice people don't hit their kids very much anymore that's maybe, the wrong that's with america like, maybe that's, <laughs> that's the problem that's the whole problem that's the problem <laughs> i used to get hit pretty much i was gonna say i used to get hit yep i know on that uh on that note, Hermes of like the helicopter parent, I think because like a lot of our parents were so hovery, you're seeing like a, a hard push the other way. What mm, my yeah. wife lovingly refers to as free range parenting. Mm, well, you okay. had like, you know, you had like the and 80s. I think it's parent. almost worse because basically it's like you just show up with your kid and then they just do whatever it is that they want. I think and like I, yeah. I know people who feed their kids by like it's like grazing. It looks like they're feeding animals at a petting zoo. <laughs> well, you <laughs> have like drawn the by for a chicken nugget every once in a while. <laughs> you yeah. have the absent parents of the 80s, which bred helicopter parents, and now yep. it's breeding yeah. absent parents again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's but, a cycle. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, That's why we're back down like alpha, you know. Uh, you know, again, it's the whole question why I say I've same thing with like voting and stuff. Why I've abs- uh, abstained for so long and you know, commonly, you know, uh, praise or, uh, you know, uh, propagate the notion of abstinence, not in sex, but in most things in life <laughs> is, not in sex. <laughs> is this or notion, you know, alcohol like, consumption or, I, I, yeah, uh, or, or, or recreational drug use. Or, I just, uh, <laughs> uh, uncle Sam doesn't even know about that. Maybe, maybe some gluttony. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is <laughs> abstain from these situations really and conversations abstain from abstinence, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> really, I only abstain from that one thing in life. <laughs> Is uh, as I was saying, is the fact that I <laughs> is I it so indulge. it's so crazy to think that that's like something you have to answer yourself. Like you, Jody, and Theron have to answer that. Whether you do the right thing, the wrong thing, you're mm-hmm. probably gonna do both. It's gonna be a mix, a bag. But it's like how wild that you have to you have to answer that question, and you have to be aware and mm-hmm. think of that. Of like, how am I parenting, or am I being a good parent? And whether it's a helicopter versus an absent parent. You know, and it's like one, you know, there's pros and cons of both probably. And it's can just we like, like a, can we get like an in-between? Can we get like an LCAC parent? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, a, like, like one of those hovercraft that, like, you know, goes in the water <laughs> that the Marines use an LCAC. Comes See, back that's where those leashes come in. Because then you just leash ah, your yes. kid to you and you don't have to pay attention to them. But they're like still in the orbit. LCAC <laughs> you know, parenting. We actually just so so this is a, a, a has nothing to do with book marketing, which I'm I'm afraid probably most of the the show will not. But um, <laughs> we just we just got these things, uh, and I should be quiet in case my kids are nearby. But um, they're they're like um, like shock collars called something. No, yeah, yeah. I wish <laughs> <laughs> different direction there, but, but they're uh, almost just spit water smart everywhere. Smart tags or something like that. 
and basically you just you you put it on your kid unfortunately you can't insert it like you can't chip it like you could chip a dog oh, but they God. are these little tags yeah these little tags it's like a bracelet and, or something yeah you wear it around and then i can look at my phone and know where you're at but basically we could we could put a battery on that yeah. That would, you know, exude a small electrical charge. <laughs> exactly. Yes. When you, when I know you're doing something that you shouldn't be, or just I just tell little, that you're at the the bar um, a as a thirteen year old. Yeah. Jo- Jody, just uh, just mute Morpheus right. if he ever starts to bring in like war crimes that he's committed at any time. Like, don't let him incriminate himself like this. Just mute him at any point yep. in time. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm doing you it got... for your own good, Morpheus. Uh, <laughs> you guys actually only got me for about another fifteen. So uh, interject um, all the chaos he can. Yeah. <laughs> Remember so, that if you're gonna say a war crime, just finish by saying in Minecraft, and then it's not Minecraft. actually a crime. And, and you fine. Get in trouble. I was playing Mountain Blade the other Sims. day. Sims, it was all Sims. I genocided a race of people <laughs> in that game I was playing. So you're air tagging your kid, though, uh, Joe. Yeah, like yeah, that's right. Thank you, air tags. So we got those air tags, but it, it's because I'm not willing to get an eight year old a phone. Um, I'm not willing to get an 11 year old a phone. That's just kind yeah. of my stance. I like I I got my first phone when I was a freshman in high school, and that kind of makes sense to me. I was starting to drive, um, yep. you know, yep. have some of that like adult responsibility. But before that, I don't need you attached to a phone everywhere you go. And I look at some of my nephews and nieces, and I just think like that's not the life I want for my kids. We we actually did a whole year of their life with no TV in the house. Um, and that was a cool experience for all of us. And it was challenging at times because you're like, how do I fill up these like cold, dark nights in the Midwest or something like that? But that um, sounds awful. Yeah. Right. No, but, it doesn't board games and card yeah, games. And, and we did a lot of that stuff. And so it was really cool. And, and then um, we agreed that like, let's bring the TV back in. And now we measure it. We have like time for them when they do it. And uh, they, they can't play more than an hour on the weekend and 30 minutes during the week. So they're getting their Minecraft. They're getting their, uh, their Mario Kart and like experiencing that, but it's not ruling their life. And yeah, but I yeah. love that the air tag, I can basically be like, Hey, now my wife is not so scared to send them all the way across town. I know, like mm-hmm. they can literally get on their bike and go where they're, wherever they want, which is how I grew up without an air tag. But exactly. if that's what I needed to get that in between place of like, now we're both comfortable with this, then go live and have a fun time. So yeah. I, I sort of like that. How old are they when you remove the micro trip? <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, uh, ideally that's the neat thing you don't <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah you always know I, I if i'm gonna be honest ideally at age 18 i want there to be a pretty clean cut where you're no longer like a kid you're my you're my son i think mm-hmm. that's and, and the reason i think of the difference is because i'm no longer going to judge the value of your behavior i've hopefully raised you for 18 years in such a way that if you make mistakes you know how to self-correct if i haven't mm-hmm. done that then in some ways I failed. And and I know that like, it took me a lot longer. Like I said, I was living with my grandparents when I was 20. So if my kids are there, then that's on me. But that's in my mind when I take the chip out and, and say like, hey, go sow your wild oats. Is there not a, too many of them? Do you think there's a point that they could get to that prior to 18? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, and certainly, yes. Yes. Because like you're saying, your 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 ten ten year old was you know he's he's smart he's aware he's that's right. he's thinking a lot of ways. How's he going to be when he's sixteen or seventeen? Well, that's what I, I had I had that problem growing up where I was you know not not to say I you know I was so intelligent mm-hmm. but it's like I certainly outgrew a lot of the things that my parents were fundamentally about even to this day it's one mm-hmm. of those things where we just like we're just not going to talk about that because it's going to bring up a fight kind of a thing I mean similar to Morpheus and um, religion right it's like when you if you age out or you decide that you're not going to be a part of that community, Morpheus, you're 
it's friction is involved with all of that, oh, right? It's still mm-hmm. brought up on a regular basis. So it was like, how do how do you mm-hmm. approach? How would you and would you know? Could you approach that with your kid, Jody? Where it's like. Uh, maybe he's, you know, you know, maybe new information comes out because obviously everything's changing. Mm-hmm. Science changes mm-hmm. every day kind of a thing. Maybe tomorrow, you know, two plus two isn't four kind of a thing where sure. it, something that you have a foundation in and it is part of you turns out that he's like, no, that's not me, dad. And mm, I mean, maybe right, maybe wrong. I don't know. But well, I, I, I under any other circumstances, I would never have the conversation quite like I, I'm prepared to have it right now. But um, one of them, and I'll protect his anonymity, I, I think might possibly be gay. I've seen signs. I have a mom who's gay. My sister is gay. I've been around it my whole life and seen it. Um, and I see the signs. I see mm-hmm. some of that like latent anger that suggests to me that that might be going on. And so I've already started to prepare myself. One, I don't see any problem with it. I want to be really clear about that. Um, You're not going to like send him to one of them camps. Yes, have him. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, like, in a lot of ways, got one of those. <laughs> we do. I know it's awful. I don't. I, that's a that's a part I don't even want to think about because I'm right. just like it's it's unbelievable. There's, I found out there is one of those within a half an hour of where I live. Really? That Lord. does not surprise me in this. Life. I regularly just consider like, what if I just went and burned it down in Minecraft? <laughs> in Minecraft. What, what if I just went and like cut a hole in the fence and was like, come on, little gay kids. <laughs> They're free. free. <laughs> the underground Gale Road. <laughs> You're free. Go. What is happening? Jody was giving us a serious insight on a Go be sharp dressers and good designers. <laughs> and he turned it into the underground. Hunter Gale Railroad. <laughs> uh, pulling myself I'm mute myself. Right I know, right? I got to mute myself after that. Hunter oh, Gale Railroad. That, that was, was great. Amazing. That was great. That was amazing. There. Yeah, that was. Uh, so you're, you're look at us there and just yeah. putting them up and knocking them down. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, looking at that, I, I think that seems totally fine to me. But I have had, uh, and I'll admit, I've had a harder time with kind of like gender fluid things. So when you were asking Hermes, like, and, and what if two plus two is no longer four? In my brain all of my life, that's been one of those things that's kind of, it's always felt like a cutoff to me. And so uh, when, again, when he's 18, if he decides that he wants to do whatever, I'm certainly going to just like show love and support. But there's also part of me that feels like I don't need to make space for that particular choice. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on it, uh, whether comedic or not comedic. But that's one of it's one of the hardest questions that I've had to consider is what if I actually do end up having a relationship with one of my kids where they decide that like their gender is not what it appears to be or something. That's mm, a really, yeah. really tough one for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's a huge, huge topic out there that um actually my, fa- excuse me, my, um my immediate family, my youngest sister, and then my parents have a huge amount of friction behind. Mm. And I, and so, so I've read a little bit about it. I don't want to say a lot, mm. but you know, a 10 or so within within a couple handfuls of books relating to this topic uh out of you know, curio- you know 10 or so cur- curiosity well no well, well i say well no well i say maybe that's more than some is kind of my point but certainly i don't want to say like oh i'm an expert what i say here is 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 what i 
you know, profess is, is correct because tomorrow every day I'm like, well, maybe this, and then I always consider something else. I'm, I'm very fluid when it comes to my opinion is all I'm saying. Um, and, yeah, and fluid, eh? <laughs> I, know. Oh. I, I was like, if somebody doesn't say that right now, and, oh. <laughs> I'm glad everybody's still tracking here. Okay. We're on the, we're all on the same page. No, it's, it's something that, um, trans issues are very serious in America, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's not necessarily just a quote unquote trans issue or a mm. trans discussion or question or in America um, alone. Oh, sure. Uh, a lot of the reading I've I've done, uh, one like sentiment that I've found that is being like shared or attributed to this phenomenon with specifically Gen Z that we just broke down, like the age group, right? Mm-hmm. Is this uh, is this foundation being in the digital world and the digital world being the connected connected the way it is and um, society being educated specifically in the states as it is um, and and that be maybe in the Western I would say not even just the states the Western like community of the world you know Europe is included in that Australia etc. Uh, a lot of these a lot of these things are coming out as like this idea of social contagion so to your point jody of like how do you approach something how do you approach the conversation of something saying you know uh, two plus two is no longer four it's like Mm -hmm. is that if it's if tomorrow black holes are not black they're white or whatever you know if it is Mm -hmm. proven without a shadow of a doubt there's usually a progression up to this point whereas now in the social contagion area era we're seeing a lot of this where it's it's not a progression of things. It's a it's a um it's a clear def because these kids are born into it. Like they don't know any better. Similar to people yeah. born born post uh post uh, 9-11. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you don't understand the progression of TSA or or That's national right, security yeah. up to now. You only know TSA now. So so this idea of social contagion is something that I've found super fascinating. And again, it, there's a lot of nuance behind it and a lot of gray area and a lot of discussion there. But the fascinating part that I found behind it is to this discussion here is like as a parent you have the foundation you have the progression of a conversation aka i don't know transsexual or gay rights or you know whatever right <laughs> gay marriage in the, in the states you have this progression and therefore you have maybe a different nuance of perspective whether you're on one side of the fence or the other if you if you have one of these camps out there and it's you're going to pray the gay away <laughs> that that came from a series of 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 decisions and 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 community influences and a progression of opinion, whereas your kid only knows what it was born into versus the other side of the fence, where if you are 100% for gay marriage, you see a progression of, well, there's states' rights and there's personal rights and there's inalienable rights and there's probably a conversation to be had for, you know, like uh, <clears throat> state and church and being separate outside of the institution of marriage or relationships as, as a whole, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual relationships, right? So you, there's this nuance that a lot of this social contagion doesn't take into account. And one thing that we're seeing now is a new conversation that doesn't have a whole lot of, you know, a tr- uh, progression up to this point, now being in the, like the forefront, the spotlight where, you know, this gender fluidity, where it's like you you want to, how, how do you support something that is pretty much a newer phenomenon you can look at like oh there's a there's an indian tribe back in you know 1400 that they had a cultural signature. yes but that is more of on the lines of a shaman not you're not talking mm-hmm. about transsexual here you're talking about something again you don't have the nuance of understanding here so it's like how do you have a conversation with that in terms of a of a contagion or even a mind virus as i've heard like some people describe yeah. it as how do you how do you combat that how do you approach that and again as not parent as as someone who's not a parent i 
again, have only been like, well, this person says that, and I read this, and that person says this, and I kind of maybe think it's somewhere around here. And like, I was talking to my parents about it because my, again, my youngest sister is going through a lot of this social contagion um, phenomenon, mm-hmm. not necessary. Mm-hmm. So it started with like pansexual and now it's, uh, and then it became yeah. um, uh, gender fluidity and then it became um, um, dissociative identity disorder. And then it became, and there's some other, you know, like aspects to, to, you know, to the story there, but long story short is, now there's a frayed relationship. They're not speaking to us kind of a thing, because like you said, we kind of have a cutoff. Do we have to make a space for someone who is maybe falling into this social contagion yep. aspect? Are you, and again, you fit the demographic. You probably, again, I, I can't be in your head, but if you don't talk this to me, this is kind of why thing. we call you a boomer, by the way, Hermes. <laughs> because, because, because I read <laughs> it's because of what you're reading. Not that I disagree with you entirely, but first of all, the phrase mind virus is just wild. Like I said, and some people a- are any idea that. is a mind virus. If you really want to go there, mm-hmm. like, infectious yeah what what i agree with you about is that the digital era is allowing these ideas to spread much more quickly than they would have before and they Mm -hmm. allow the acceptance of those ideas to become a lot more evident than they were before Uh, i also want to point out that there's a just a a pretty big difference between orientation and dissociative identity disorder like Mm -hmm. only one of those is in the dsm Yes. So mm-hmm. I so love like, that you just quoted the DSM. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, my wife's a social worker, so I hear about it a lot. I love listening to your thought process. But academic academia is not uh, <laughs> is not uh, you know sheltered from from social contagions either. And I don't mean social mm. contagion. And again, people have labeled one mind virus. Somebody will say mind virus. Somebody will say social contagion. Somebody will say like the mind a, flare a, from strangers. There's things. a societal trend. There's a, you know there's a lot of ways to describe it. The only thing I care about is data, right? And so if you see an well, uptick. Of, yeah. No, no, I, I like, I, and I totally agree with you. And I like, I agree that there's a certain subset of people that are, that they're confused. I'll say that. And they don't, they're trying to figure out what exactly. I was it confused. Is, we're all where confused. They belo- okay. And maybe hey, guys, like, guys, yes, I gotta also know. <laughs> this is great, but I, I'm, I have to jump ship here. I gotta Morpheus, go it's big Christmas great. shopping. Go, yes, Christmas, thank you, go get that white tree that you Oh, know. I'm going. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's been yeah. great, Jody. Thank you for having yes. me so much. Thank you, Morpheus. Uh, Guys, good to good to talk to you. Like always, always, always. Hey, Love y'all. Always fun. Love y'all. Bye. Love you. Bye. See you. Bye, buddy. Um, but then, like right now, we're just talking specifically about the Western side. Like you pointed out, if you look mm-hmm. at kind of the history of like some of the Eastern cultures, there is a lot of like historically a lot of what you're talking about, and what you see is that for them, like sexuality and gender is kind of like much more intrinsically mm. like entwined. That's kind of like just something I think that everyone has heard of in pop culture at some point, like the Thai lady boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like part of the reason culturally that that happens is just because it's in that society less frowned upon to change your gender than it is to be gay. Mm-hmm. So like for someone who like thinks that they might have homosexual tendencies, it might be easier for them in society to just become a woman. Well, that's the same then, in uh, Middle Eastern countries as well as again, right. it's extremely frowned upon to be gay. Whereas if you transition, you're now female, it's not frowned upon. And mm-hmm. so like for us, we have, like you pointed out, this kind of long historical graduation of homosexuality being more and more accepted and being treated equally and being allowed mm-hmm. to marry and stuff where mm-hmm. like in other parts of the world, it's very definitely the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, I don't know if like the, the mind virus just finally made its way through the Chinese firewall, but <laughs> hopefully. Well, again, I was, um, no, good. So uh, the, the newest book that I'm working on, it's only an outline right now, but there's actually a character. So um, there's, there's a, a character who has um, a kind of schizophrenia, but it turns out that it's not actually schizophrenia. It's real voices that are actually speaking to her that are the spirits of, of dead people that have latched onto her. Um, and so in, a, in the next book that I'm outlining, one of those spirits ends up attaching to the one of my other main characters and having conversation and very much in casual conversation. It comes out that in life, this person was a male, but that their spirit was female. Um, and so like now you identify as a, as a female, you were a male in life. And I, I I don't know that that's a, I'm not seriously approaching this question like that, this specific question, but in some sense, that was the first thing that got me to start opening up to being like, okay, I think I could understand where there is like a core part of you that identifies in a way that you do not present physically because, you know, in, in the most serious way, uh, my wife and I are flip-flopped in terms of, uh, what people expect based on, uh, gender, stereotypes. So um, I navigate by landmarks. Um, I am deeply emotional. I want to have long conversations. Uh, I love to cuddle. These are all true things that are stereotypical female. My wife, we went honeymooned in New York uh, and she understood the subway system from like the instant we touched the ground. She was like navigator, uh, a plus plus, and she doesn't want to have long conversations. She doesn't, she doesn't like, she wants to fix shit when I'm upset. She wants to fix it. And I'm like, I just need you to hear me right now. Um, and so those are all those stereotypes that we grew up with and we are literally flip-flop. She, she has like a lot of the masculine stereotypes and I have a lot of the feminine ones, but then the area where there's Merck or that I'm still just kind of working through it is I would never in a billion years think of myself as being gendered other than male, because I do have like core masculine things as well, but I just, that's how I identify. And I, I can't imagine myself into a different way of thinking, whether that's right or wrong. That for me is the current frontier where I'm at. Yeah. Well, see, and that's the idea of the social contagion that a lot of the conversation neglects is we have social contagions that we accept as normal whereas mm -hmm. you're describing uh, gender stereotypes right that yeah. doesn't mean that that what that 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 there isn't a spectrum there or a graduation of right. of of you know of gender quote unquote fluidity where yeah you not everyone fits the stoic masculine male yeah. persona you know and there is a graduation not even the most masculine of stoic male personas out there fit that perfect mold like you you mm -hmm. take you know the quote unquote alpha of any gender you know and put it up against all the other alphas there's still a spectrum there between them so it's yes. like amongst all of the uh gender there's a huge spectrum so that that's one part of the conversation that I, like I said, gets neglected a lot is that social contagion that we already accept again in the Western culture is what I'm speaking on from having experience with it. Like you were saying there, Theron, mm -hmm. and the opposite is true for other, you know, like Eastern cultures where that's just, you know, like the Middle East, that's just something that is accepted as you can't be gay. It's unacceptable. That is just something that is inherently it's illegal. It's, it's, you know, morally, whatever, you know, it's all these things. And that's something that is accepted. So you kind of like base then your outlook from that point going forward. And it's, it's um again it's fascinating to me as a third party because luckily I don't have any horses in the game, but you two being uniquely yeah. <laughs> you do, you do. So it's again, I just I always like um I always like spectating, but yeah, I don't know how it I don't know how it all fits. It's it's oftentimes you guys ever feel like when you have conversations that are 
super stimulating and you love getting down in the gritty, then you find yourself at like the impasse point where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's abortion, whether it's gay marriage, whether it's transsexuality, it's like, all right, I got to the point of of interest. And now I'm into the point where it's like, um, I'm not a woman. I'm not gay. I'm not, I don't have a transsexual kid. I'm not sure. So it's like, I don't know if I can go further, even emotionally or intellectually further down the rabbit hole, you know, it's like, but whereas somebody else who is invested certainly can go, you know, further Mm -hmm. as far as right or wrong, as far as it could possibly ever go infinitely, you know, for, for me, a big, a big piece of what you're saying is like the idea of, um, drinking deeply of any kind of conversation i do get to a point where there's enough mental fatigue because i i've already brought up a lot of ideas that are are not concrete in my mind and when you have too much of that going on then uh for Mm. me i think that there's a a diminishing return um on 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 carrying it on yeah Yeah. for sure yeah Yeah. well it's is that part of like writing that helps you i've noticed recently as i write out the a th- like a topic or a thought mm-hmm. and then I start research a little bit more and then I have a slightly different thought and then you sort of cement more of a foundation on that yes yeah, yeah. It, everything that I have for sure that's nonfiction has no timeline on it because I will always write until the point of like mental exhaustion when I can't quite figure my way through this next piece and then I just set it down and uh, sometimes I forget forever that it's there other times I come back to it and so those projects kind of stack and build as uh, I'm I'm able this is why my fucking book isn't done. Now I have a reason for it, <laughs> yeah. Jody. It's because it's nonfiction. There it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's it, <laughs> that's why I it's not procrastination. I can't finish it because it hasn't finished yet. Life yes, is still yeah. happening. Life is life. <laughs> so for for the five listeners who are left that that are like, wait, this is a book marketing show that doesn't talk about book marketing today. Um, I I do want to wrap in this because I, I think that the question that we've been we started with and that we've been talking about and we've uh, returned to often is that there's not a right way to approach a problem uh i think i think that it was morpheus who said that he's he's kind of just like whatever happens happens he's going to go with it in that leadership style that's you know whatever i'm, I'm just going to be super chill about it uh, i said i'm ready fire aim um so and then and then hermes you are you're very more structured uh your approach i don't know that we nailed you down there into one way or another but uh I'm, I'm curious on the creative journey or in the world of trying to get your product out there i say product i don't love any of these words i don't like brand yada yada but yeah. trying to think of like what we're trying to create uh in so far as like a legacy while we're even alive what people know us for doing it differently can rub people sometimes the wrong way. So you can have your Jockos and then you can have uh, the, the opposite end of the spectrum. How have you dealt with that in terms of making something like the Scuttlebutt podcast or any of the art that you're creating, the things that you're trying to do? Uh, do you feel weighed down when you encounter someone who tells you you're doing it the wrong way or you should do it a better way? Is that like part of your process? Um, Darren, you, do you, you want to take it? Yeah, I've, I've got some thoughts for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly, we don't care <laughs> like that. Uh, we we never started doing this podcast for anyone else. Um, mm. We don't like we we really appreciate that we have an audience. So we'll put that out there. We love yeah. you guys. All of our scutter butters don't want to alienate you. But we've talked about it before and we'll say again that none of you guys could ever show up for a single episode and we'd still keep recording it because uh, mm. like Morpheus addressed earlier, really, we just do it because it's fun to hang out and talk. Mm. Uh, and so whenever people tell us about, oh, there's a better way to do this or, you know, some advice that generally is well-natured, I, I, I wouldn't say we ignore it. It goes under consideration. 
But at the end of the day, like who's to tell you the best way to have fun with your friends? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. True. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more Theron. That, that I throw it to Theron again. Cause he's like succinct with it. I could go on a fucking random tangent and <laughs> rabbit hole of all of it, but that's exactly what it is about. And even, even when you're talking about, cause like Theron does a lot of the social media stuff. And so he know he's got that finger on the pulse, but mm. he also has the ability to understand it. And, you know, that's one thing that I appreciate of, of each of our skills coming into creating whatever this is. It's like we're, we're that tripod that props up whatever this, mm. you know, very vague quote unquote italicized this is because, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's not anything without the three of us kind of, it's, it's yeah. not what it is without us. So, yeah, if somebody comes in and says, well, if you have you considered this, like you said there and like it's considered as could we do better and would it be more fun? You know, like when um, Morph is like, look, I'm just not having fun, guys. We got to restructure. We got to do something mm-hmm. immediately. Theron and I both like even if we weren't registering that it was in our subconscious, We're like, you know, you're completely right, Morpheus. Let's restructure. Mm-hmm. Let's figure something else out. Let's do. And then we did. And it was more fun. And we're like, yes, we're back to, you know, we're back to that groove. You know, we I didn't want to lose. Well, the and groove. that was. That yeah. was the core thing too. Was that we're like this is is kind of not as fun as it used to be, yeah. and yeah. So I, I I appreciate Morpheus pointing that out because he he was totally right. And uh, so. man, yeah. it's it's fun again. <laughs> exactly. It's always wow. yeah. Exactly. And that's the idea. What was that moment for for me and for other people who who haven't been on the journey with you? When like what what was happening that there was like the fun had drained out? What was that moment? Uh, I again, I think I was taking the helm straighter than it needed to go you know i Uh, was scheduling a lot of guests and i was just again i'm a very accepting person i theron we're all like very accepting of like anybody want to talk let's talk let's hang out let's let's get to know you i'm ready to get to know you and indiscriminately doing that you find that statistically speaking there's a lot of authors out there or there's a lot of musicians out there Mm -hmm. or there's you know and then so all of a sudden your podcast becomes you know, the book podcast or oh, the, yeah. the musician, you know, highlight podcast or, mm-hmm. the, you know, and, and yeah, or the other, we're basically podcasters talking to podcasters and we're just podcasting right. back to each other kind of a thing. We're right. Yeah. It's just promoting in an echo chamber. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so, so once Morpheus was like, yeah, dude, it doesn't feel like we're at the pub getting to know a stranger and he was a sailor and a French army man and was a mm. secret service diver. Like we're not getting to know cool people as much anymore we're just nothing against like all the authors or nothing against all the musicians well and that's yeah we've we've had great guests like i wouldn't there's nobody who i would go back and say i we should we shouldn't have had this person on exactly Mm. i i really have appreciated all of our guests but i think we were just kind of getting lost in the sauce there for a second a trend we were going well this is a podcast and podcasts are supposed to have guests and so we got to have a guest every week and we got to keep it going on and that then our format kind of became talking about whatever it is that they're doing. Mm-hmm, uh, yep. And then it, it like a lot of the things that people were tuning in for the actual personality of the show was being set by the sideline in favors uh, in favor mm. of doing it like everybody else. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So just being aware is self-aware of course correction adjustment. And again, Morpheus being the chaotic contribution that he is to the show is like, Hey guys, I need more this i need some more fun and let's get and when he said it we all agreed and we did it and it's been i've it's been a noticeable shift where it's like oh yeah this isn't it doesn't feel like work it doesn't feel like oh great we have a guest that we got to record with on saturday no it's like oh my gosh we're gonna talk to this guy today we're gonna talk to that gal today and it's holy crap like i just scheduled one and 
Theron and uh, Morpheus both saw the email for like the description of the bio and they're like, wow, this is going to be one hell of a ride. And I was like, if it's not, I'll be really surprised because yep, it sounds yeah. like it's it's going to be a hell of a ride. So keeping it fun. And then it, you said something legacy. That's something that I've been mm -hmm. um, going back and forth with. There was actually um, mm -hmm. a shout out to Mike. Um, I it was a previous episode. The last episode we did, um, we lost Mike um, on Sunday after Thanksgiving. So, um, you know, attended his funeral yesterday and wow. just really want to say, you know, we miss you and everything like that. And, and the idea of legacy got brought up, obviously, in the forefront of my mind recently, more than even I was anticipating. And one thing I talked to the wife about is like, I, the idea of legacy and what we're after with legacy, obviously, is answered differently with everybody. But one thing that I noticed and want to continue uh, for the idea of legacy is is just people the the connections we make with people you know mike was you know a southern dude made great food was hilarious an old soul you know died maybe younger than he was supposed to and and um and i i that whole that that quote of you know you you die once when you die and then you die the second time when people stopped uh, speaking your name kind of a thing, right? Where your yeah. memory kind of dies. And it's like, yeah, I just always want to like let people know that I did know Mike. And I hope that when I go, the same sentiment is like carried on. That's, if mm -hmm. anything, I mean, you guys are parents. I feel like that's the legacy of parents. Like your kids carry on. Like they tell you, they tell people they know, yeah, my dad was cool or my dad was shit or, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I had this memory or I, you know, wish I had that memory kind of a thing. That's the legacy where yeah. I think we're all after as long as like the people we make connections with um, continue those those connections onward kind of a thing. There's something really crazy. I think a lot about this. There's a, a guy I enjoy listening to, Alex Hermosi, um, and he talks a lot about uh the, the, there's two sides to legacy. There's, there is real legacy and then there's the fallacy of legacy. And so he's like, for one, you don't know any authors that don't live in the United States. You don't know any podcasters that don't podcast in English. They could be like a massive big deal in France and you don't even know they exist because they podcast in French. Um, you know, your grandparents and you probably know of your great grandparents, but your children will not even know of your great grandparents. So typically any legacy you have is about three generations long. And there's, there's one sense in which you're like, wow, that's really depressing. I'm going to be completely forgotten in, in about 120 years. Um, unless, unless, uh, I'm, I'm Bill Shakespeare like that, yeah. that would be kind of the, the, exception to the rules that there's a handful of people who have really shaped the world and and they get to have a much much longer legacy uh i want it i want that and i also want to be cognizant of because this is this is foundational to where i'm at on my journey is that i started out when you guys interviewed me way back when i think i was uh create collaborate was the name of the podcast yeah. um I liked mm -hmm. how cute and fun it was. Um, and then somebody convinced me that I needed to be on a mission to, you know, do something and have a reason to be a podcaster. So I changed it to the reluctant book marketer. And I had such a similar journey to what it sounds like you guys did, where I was like, I hate these interviews. I do not like the people I'm talking to. I don't like the feeling of this show. I don't like the agenda. I just want to have some fun having some conversations and generally try to pick out the pieces that are relevant to the journey that I'm on, because I know there are a lot of people on the same journey. And if they can find this show, then they'll get the value of the conversation, plus maybe some marketing tips. And so I changed the name to TRBM. Um, and for a very long time, my intro was say, what does TRBM stand for? And every week I changed that little snippet, you know, the, the rascally bat 
you know, monkey and, and like whatever it might be, because I wanted to step away from that intentionality. I find sometimes when you get too drilled or focused in, um, even if that's the best way to monetize a show and make a bunch of money, it's not the best way to enjoy your life. And I think that, uh, with your podcast and mine, there's probably a point where you're going to just collect enough listeners that if you wish to monetize with a few ads or something like that, you could do that. You guys, I know use Patreon. That's a fantastic way to monetize, um, an audience as well and letting them show appreciation to you. But these are things I think a lot about because, uh, I am deeply ambitious. I cannot separate myself from that part of my identity is like, I want to put a dent in the universe, um, yeah. whether I will or not. I, it's a desire of mine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Jerry. I think that's kind of the main thing we like the main reason we haven't gotten money really involved with the podcast so far yeah. um, is that it lets us do it for fun. Like we've all talked about how like, Oh yeah, you know, dream the impossible dream. It'd be great to just have this be our day job where we would just podcast and do this all the time. But on the other hand, like it would, it would take away some of that freedom to have fun because you know, when we're sitting down and we're having these meetings and we're going, Oh, this does it. I don't want to talk to these guests anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, but we have set up, we've got contracts, we've got the, like, there's money on the table. It makes it such a more complicated conversation. Uh, And, and like right now we can say that we don't sell out to anyone by being entirely funded by our listeners. We know that we are doing what they would want us to do or else they're not going to keep giving us their money. Yeah. Yeah. And so that like, it has allowed us a creative freedom that I don't think most podcasts get to have because of that level of ambition that you're speaking to. So Theron, on that note, I'm kind of curious because I only have three paid subscribers through my Substack, uh, which is also where I host my podcast. Big shout out Substack for having free hosting for as many hours yeah. as you want. It's really cool. Um, but I have three paid subscribers. Uh, I have not built a, a large paid thing. I don't ask for it. It's in my show notes if you want to, but you have to search for it. Um, and my reasoning is almost the opposite of yours, which is I'm afraid of the people who like my stuff enough to pay for it, that like somehow I'm going to disappoint them. And so mm-hmm. I've never tried to to monetize them. Uh, obviously, I sell my books and you have to buy my books in order to read them or, or go to the library. But uh, what, what are your thoughts there? Like, do you have, have you ever come up against that feeling before? of like, oh, now I have these people who are like giving me money and I have to please them. Well, and see, that I think is the nice thing about having it be supporters and people that you're listening to mm-hmm. versus partnerships, because I would yeah. very much feel that way. And like we've we've gotten dangerously close to some partnerships in the past. Mm-hmm. And that was what kind of spooked us off of it is the fact that like there's going to be this obligation. Mm-hmm. Like not only do we have to do just like whatever the basis of the agreement is, but then we have to present ourselves a certain way like they want us to look and act like this that's what works well for all of the rest of their clients where i kind of think of us as like you know when you're when you're walking through town square and there's like that dude with a guitar and a bucket and mm-hmm. you're like man he's he's jamming let me go let me go throw a fiver in there for him oh yeah uh, i like that it's exactly. i like i don't think that that guy starts jamming harder usually or like you know he's not like hey what what song would you want to hear me play now since that's you true i'm a jukebox yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true you know he, that's true he gives you the nod and you enjoy the music and life goes on and so that mm. that's kind of how i think of our patrons is that mm. i really appreciate them for for kicking in our bucket yeah. but i also i think they're doing it because they like what we're doing not because they have some expectation yeah uh, yeah 
Yeah, that's a that, great. I, I've actually I really like that. I've joked about that on like Twitch a lot, where uh, you have these Twitch streamers where they get donations and then they'll read, "Oh, hey, thanks for the ten dollars from this person," and it's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, that's right. Here's ten dollars. Say my name, bitch." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> I know a, it is. It's, it's a perfect way to say it too, Theron. And when you were when you were describing like maybe becoming beholden to it, Jody, I was uh, I had the thought of just the reason why anybody as they're saying is getting behind you is because they like you and they don't want you to change so the fact that you would mm. think oh maybe i should change or maybe they want me to change. no they if if they don't if they do want you to change they'll leave they won't stick around like the ones who are yeah. here listening the ones they they found something in you whatever it is the intangible thing that is jody and that's yeah. it and that's all you got to be and that's i mean part of creating is finding that yourself and then mm. sharing it with other people and hoping you know, that other people find it worthwhile as well. And so when they do, that's it. That's it. You've already done. You're already won. That's all mm-hmm. it is. The three that you I have. I would say. Huh? Oh, oh, good. Yeah, sorry. I thought you were done. No, the three you have yeah. just spread the word to more people that might like Jody. That's it. That's all you yeah. got to do. You know, and yeah. if it's in your show notes, then maybe mention it a couple more times. Hey, guys, I love connections. I love the three I got. I love more connections. Let's make friends. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Point. Well, and I that's mean, what I was going to say, too. Uh, just like as a piece of advice, you know, we're talking about the marketing thing. Uh, you like you you do have to to market it. Uh, if we're going back to the analogy of like the performer with the bucket, if he doesn't have the bucket out, he's not going to make anywhere near as much money. Like people are going to be way right. less likely. They're going to have to really like what he's doing to walk up and hand him money face to face. And so I I think there's a difference between like panhandling and just letting people know it's there. Like mm-hmm. we don't push our Patreon but we mm-hmm. do let people know that it's out there and we do make a point every episode of, of shouting out the people who are our patrons and making sure, you know, that they know that they're appreciated mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it, it gives that kind of like back and forth. And it also does remind people that we have one yeah. because I've found the, like the threshold of people who are willing to donate are a lot lower than the threshold of people who are willing to seek out a specific link. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. something I need to think about. I've been surprised. So I, I do. Um, and, and then I'll start wrapping up with you guys, but uh, I do a newsletter with anybody who's bought my books. So they're, they're already shown to want to like read my work. Uh, and it's called six point Saturday. I really shamelessly ripped it off from Tim Ferriss's five bullet Friday. Um, <laughs> and I wish I would have done like four point Saturday. Cause that'd be a little less work, but I, <laughs> what, what I do is I just like tell people about me. It's a, a space where I don't, have to like provide anything, but I put links in there for products that I like sometimes. Like the other day I was re-listening to Sufi and Stevens and loving his music again. And so I talked about that a little bit and put a link into there for people to listen to his stuff on, on YouTube. But one thing that has been noticeable to me is that for whatever reason, even though in that format, I'm saying, here's something you can get. Here's something that you might like that I love. Uh, here are my books. If you want to read them and haven't already bought them, uh, I don't make sales on that. Like it's really interesting. And I'm wondering if latent inside of me or hidden inside of me is the desire to just like squeeze money out of my audience. And if that holds me back at a level that I'm not even conscious of. Cause I, I know that I have unconscious uh, biases and that, that may be one of them. Mm. No, I, I hear you there too. That that's a question with art in general, right? It's like, yeah. am I, yeah, like you said, am I squeezing this out of you or is, do I, am I trying to make myself uh, worth right. worthy of it? Is this worth yeah. actually like uh, supporting myself? And yeah. it's like, yeah, it's like a, 
I mean, I, again, we all answer differently. Again, I think the bucket analogy is amazing, uh, mm-hmm. Theron. I, I couldn't have said it better because that's, I mean, that's 100% what we've done. It's like, and if you do enough good things, I've I've also used the analogy, you know, the the more hooks you cast, the more fish you catch kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I do, I do podcasting. I do digital artwork. I do writing. I do, you know, I, it's like you dip your toes in a little bit of everything so long as you're passionate about it kind of a thing. Yes. And what that's you're describing so there is kind of, it's kind of what I get from you. It's not necessarily, am I squeezing every dime out of these guys? No, it's like, yeah. am I offering more to these guys? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is, am, am I, am I passionate about offering these things? You know, if, right. is it, is it fun for me to do these little, you know, Substack or these news articles or these uh, Instagram reels? Is it fun to do those every morning and every night? And yeah, it is. I enjoy yeah. those. I like yeah. the creative process. I, I, you know, I like when I get something perfect and then i share it and then you know what i have two three four people start engaging with it really you know hardly you know and it's like oh yeah this is wow i I love what you said about this or the music in this or the editing on that that's fun that's great Mm -hmm. and again if i got zero cents from that that's still fun and so as long as that's like what i drive myself with if i can then monetize a little you know i can get then the bucket's there the bucket's there. you know that's it that's my well, especially I you know no, too. none <laughs> of us here are buying like Lamborghinis or anything you know so it's not yeah. any, speak for anything yourself that... <laughs> I love my Lambos <laughs> oh, I sorry, think sorry Jody Darren <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know this but uh no I'm just kidding <laughs> right oh my god how is it I can't believe you went this long without bringing it up <laughs> I know right my challenger I I would have named uh, that one immediately <laughs> um but I I think like the important thing too is that. For us, and I assume probably very similar for you as well, Jody, all the money goes right back into the creative endeavor. So yeah, it's not not only like I don't feel bad about squeezing an extra dime out of my, uh, I guess, audience or fan yeah. bay, whatever you want to call them. Uh, all of my loving supporters. I'm my friend. Uh, I love them. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's just one more dime I can use to give them better content. Yeah, absolutely. Goes into a giveaway, goes into a live stream, goes into a whatever. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Gentlemen, this was uh, so fun. I, I'm I'm sad that we waited as long as we did to actually get it scheduled. Uh, we didn't you're you're wait, invited to Jody. We didn't uh, wait. It just is how life goes, man. That's true. That's cool. true. That's true. Uh, it was great though. It was awesome to have you on the show. I'm excited to share you with people who listen. Um, you can go back and find my interview on the Scuttlebutt podcast. I don't know what number it is, but I'll I'll dig it out and and link to it. Um, and then for you fellas, it sounds like Theron, you're the, the guy to ask. Like where where should people find you and connect with you? Yeah, man. So really anywhere that anyone is trying to find and connect with and listen to the Scuttlebutt podcast, you're going to find us. We are on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Spotify and Apple Music and every different podcast platform and social media landscape of garbage. Uh, And you can find (laughs) us on all of those places at Scuttlebutt pod, all one word. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All righty, gents. Thanks so much. Uh, Hermes, thank you a lot, Theron. Thank you a ton. And we will be in touch. Thanks, Jody. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening?